Meister Shani, Perik Hay, Mishnah Tess. This is the last mission discussing the mitzvah of Biur. And here we consider the possibility of one needing to do Biur but not having immediate access to his produce. The mission says, Mishahayu Perosa Vrochokim Mimenu. If one had produce that needed to be given to the various persons to receive the Trumas of Maestras, but they were at a distance from him, so he couldn't physically give them, Sarch Lukros Lahem Shame. He needs to assign them, at least verbally. Normally, Kriya Shame refers to simply the identification of what is Trumar Meister, etc. But in this case, we're talking about, says the Bartanura, actually um, being Mazaka to actually give it the various items as appropriate to who they need to be given to. Because remember, the Bior deadline means that before Bior, one must have given all his Trumas Meisters um, to the Kohanim Levium the Aniyam, etc., and prior to the deadline. Now, the Mishnah will actually give a story of this actually happening. It says, Maisa, it once happened, Rabban Gamliel, Rabban Gamliel the Nasi, Vazakanim Shahayu Ba'an Besfina. He, Rabban Gamliel, along with a number of other rabbis, were traveling on a ship, and being that they were on a ship, they were far from home, and Rabban Gamliel realized that the time for beer was approaching, and that being the case, he needed to make sure that his food back home was properly tithed, and that the various portions were given to whom they needed to be given to. So, I'm Rabban Gamliel. Rabban Gamliel says, Esor sha'ani asid lamod, the tenth that I will in the future measure out, nasun is given right now, Yoshua to Yoshua. Yoshua, this is Rabbi Yoshua, meaning Rabbi Yoshua ben Hananiah, the normal Rabbi Yoshua. Rabban Gamliel is, at this point, according to Summer Shonim, and we'll learn this way to keep things very simple, like Rashi, and others, that um, he is now verbally doing the hafrasha, that's the Kriya Shem, as well as um, the allocation of, in this case, the Maeser Rishon. So uh, Rabbi Yoshua is a levy, and therefore he's eligible for Maeser Rishon. And Rabbi Gamliel is saying that the tenth that I will measure out later on um, is the part that will be given to Rabbi Yoshua as Maeser. And that being the case, uh, Rabbi Gamliel has effectively allocated his Meiser Rishon, and even, as we'll see in a minute, he will actually give it to Rabbi Yeshua to take possession now of, and that way he has to fulfill his obligations prior to the beer deadline. There's a number of questions that were shown him how this works mechanically, why don't we talk about having to identify, you know, that it's in the northern part or whatever, and so on and so forth. Um, the simplest understanding is that Rabbi Gamliel did what he had to do, and it was, of course, effective, um, and and uh, the reason the mission just sort of sidesteps those technicalities is because we're focused on the issue at hand, which is the requirement of giving it to a, a levy prior to the deadline, and not the technicalities of how one separates Meiser. And there's also a question of how we could leave Tevel in the first place. There's a rule that a person who's a chaver, um, who's reliable regarding Trumas and Meisers, can't leave untied protus lying around. But again, the answer will be that um, he was careful prior to leaving to advise his family that this was Tevel, and the untied, and therefore should not be consumed by anybody, etc. Okay, so that's what's happening here. I cut Rabban Gamil's sentence off in the middle. He actually, the full sentence reads, Isr Shani Asid Lamod, the tenth that I will separate, Nasun Le Yoshua, is given to Rabbi Yoshua right now, Umakomo Muskarlo, and its place, meaning the physical location where that tenth of the produce is residing, the space beneath it on the floor is going to be rented right now to Rabbi Yoshua. Now what's happening here is this. When you 
transfer metaltal and movable objects, chattels. So the way for a kinning to occur is you have to do, in normal circumstances, um, hagba. You have to physically lift it up. You want to take possession of this wheat, you'll have to lift it up. And events where the movable is too heavy or inappropriate to be lifted, you could do mashicha, for example. You could you could you could drag it. Um, but in this case, it would be presumably to be hagba to lift it up. And of course, Rabbi Yeshua can't lift up the wheat because the wheat's elsewhere there on a ship. So when, instead, what the mission will employ is a different kind of kinyan, a mode of acquisition, called kinyan agav, which means that first, the first step in the process, if you will, is that Rabbi Gamaliel is renting real estate, a piece of real estate, to Rabbi Yeshua, and that transaction can be affected, a real estate transaction can be affected with um, kesef, just giving of money, um, of course, it could also be done in another context with a star, with a contract, and where that's the norm, or with with chazaka, uh, just showing that one has ownership, etc. But in any case, money will be sufficient, an exchange of money will be sufficient to effect a real estate transaction, um, whereas it would not be sufficient to effect a transaction involving movable objects like wheat. So what's happening here is that Rabbi Gamaliel is renting Rabbi Yeshua a piece of property, a very small piece of property, let's say, you know, for a pruta, whatever it is, the exchange of that pruta would affect the rental. And when one ha- has a real estate transaction going, he can simultaneously include other metaltal and other movable objects along with the kinyan. It's called a kinyan agav, a kinyan on the back of, meaning that the wheat will be acquired by Rabbi Yeshua on the back of the fact that he's renting a piece of property, the property under which that that uh, that wheat, whatever it is, is, is resting. That's called Kinyan Agav. So that's why it's necessary for Rabban Gamliel to actually rent Rabbi Yeshua a piece of property also in this transaction. You may ask, there's another way to do it, a transaction um, with movables, which is called a, a Kinyan Chalipin, like barter and exchange, um, which is true. And if you're not familiar with Chalipin, it's very much the Kinyan Sudar, which one sees all the time. You know, someone takes a pen or a keep or a handkerchief and lifts it up to affect a transaction. The reason why that's not appropriate here is because the gift to the Levium and the other parties that get the various gifts is meant to be a gift, not a transaction where you're getting you're getting some kind of consideration. You're exchanging A for B. So it would be inappropriate to say, I'll exchange the wheat that you're supposed to get in exchange for whatever it is, a pen or a keeper or something. That's inappropriate because the Torah requires a Nasina, giving of a gift of the Meiser to the Levi, and therefore um, this is the way it's going to be done. A normal rental, a technical rental of the land, and with it the gifting, if you will, of um, the Meiser Rishon. The mission continues to talk about now the next step after Meiser Rishon, which is, um, in the context of this Mishnah, Meiser Ani. You recall, of course, since we're on the eve of a uh, Beor, that means we're on the eve of coming up to Pesach of the fourth year or the seventh year, so the preceding year before the time of the Beor, the third year or the sixth year, is a time for giving Meiser Ani as opposed to Meiser Sheni. Therefore, we need to find poor people to give a tenth of the produce, and Rabbi Gamliel, therefore, will turn to his... Um, True, this is a student, but uh, Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was the Gabai of Tzedakah, um, and therefore he is the right person to um, be makna, to uh, to uh, pass on possession of the Meiser Ani, the tithe for the poor. And therefore, he says, like in the previous part of his statement, Isra Acher, a second tenth, Shani Asid Lamod, that I will measure out, says Rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel. Nasun is given now, La Akiva ben Yosef, to Akiva ben Yosef, that's our Rebbe Akiva. 
and he, Rabbi Akiva, will be the one who's in charge of further being mazaka, of, of um, benefiting the poor people. And similarly, the place in my property beneath this Maestro Ani will be rented to Rabbi Akiva. That will be affected with money explicitly, as we'll see in the mission later on. And with the rental comes the Kinyan Agav, also Rabbi Akiva's acquisition of the Maestro Ani. Now, there's a couple of technical questions here just to, to um, address um, that the various unfortunately deal with. The first is you might ask, well, what happened to the Truma Gadola? Why did we skip that first step to the Kohen? And the answer is that the proper time to give Truma Gadola is back at the threshing floor. Immediately after you finish processing the grain or whatever it is that you're processing, the proper thing to do is then and there to give it to the Kohanim. Um, that way it doesn't get lost or become tummy as a setable to tum, etc. So that's why no mention at all of Truma Gadola, the first tithe to the Kohen. Um, there's a second question people ask, which is, there was, in the time of Ezra, when Ezra came back from Bavel, leading the Jews back, 42,000 Jews came with him. Unfortunately, um, Levium did not participate properly. And Ezra, as a as a penalty to them, he made a kanas. He said that, I'm being Mavatel, I'm saying we're no longer giving Miser Rishon to Levium, we can give it to Kohanim. Instead, because um, Levium weren't uh, behaving appropriately in terms of their commitment back there, it's Israel. So the question is, why would uh, it be appropriate to give to Rabbi Yeshua the Levi when that, since the time of Ezra, stopped being the case? So a couple answers are given. One answer is that Rabbi Galil holds, like Rabbi Akiva, that Ezra meant we can give it alternatively to Kohanim instead of Levium, but not the exclusion of Levium, meaning Levium are still legitimate recipients, um, just that the Kohanim could get in their place uh, that's the first, that's one possibility. A second possibility is that those who learn that if you're not giving it to Levim, you should give it to poor people instead. And that being the case, um, Rabbi Yeshua is a great, uh, valid recipient because Rabbi Yeshua was famously poor. There's a fascinating um, back and forth uh, between him and Rabbi Gamaliel in Masachas Brachos, where he gets, where Rabbi Yeshua is visited, and uh, he, and uh, Rabbi Gamaliel says, I see that you are, you're a, a blacksmith. And he says, I'm not a blacksmith. The reason why my house is black is because so I'm, dirt, I'm so dirt poor. And um, he goes on to say, woe is it's the generation who doesn't realize its leaders, meaning Rabbi Gamil doesn't realize how uh, how much the Tamanich Chum suffer in poverty um, to be Tamanich Chum. In any case, that being the case, the Gemara Brachas really emphasizes the great poverty in which Rabbi Yeshua lived. So certainly as a poor person, he would be eligible to the Meiser uh, Rishon instead. Okay. So that's done, but we still have a separate problem still, which is that once Rabbi Gamaliel gives his Meiser Rishon to Rabbi Yeshua, so Rabbi Yeshua being the Levi has to still give his Trumas Meiser to a Kohen prior to the deadline of Beer, and therefore Amr Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua similarly says, Isur, the tenth She'ani La'asid Lamod, the tenth that I will separate later on, Nasun is given at this point, La'alazar ben Azariah, to Elazar ben Azariah, who um, is also a famous, he is a Kohen, he was a tenth generation from Ezra HaKohen, the Ezra who came back, we mentioned moments ago. Um, and uh, it's interesting if you know the famous Gemara there in Brachas, also Chavches, where they, Rebbe Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua had a bit of a, 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 a third time, they had a fight that resulted in sort of a, almost like a mutiny of the Tom Nechacham in the base Midrash. They wanted to appoint Rabbi Akiva, but then they, they thought to appoint Rabbi Akiva for our mission, but instead they appointed Rabbi Lazar and Azaria, who was Ben Shivimshana, like a 70 year old, like we know in our the famous mission read of Pesach Seder, the end of the first Parak of Brachos, that it, actually he was, according to the 
Bavli only 18 years old. Yerushalmi has him at 16 years old, so he was very young. And he was a Kohen. This is at Elizabeth Nazaria, and he was the recipient of the Trumas Meiser. If once we're speaking up personalities, just keeping track, the Rabban Gamliel of this Mishnah is not the same Rabban Gamliel of the previous Mishnah. Rabban Gamliel here is um, the son of Rabban Shim Ben Gamliel, um, who was the son of another Rabban Gamliel. And that Rabban Gamliel, the older one, is the one of the previous Mishnah. That Rabban Gamliel, the older one, was the grandson of Hillel. This Rabban Gamliel in our Mishnah lives after the base of Mikdash is, is uh, no longer. And so he is the great, great grandson of Hillel. Okay, and the Mishnah wraps up by saying, since we predicated all these Kenyanim on a Kenyan Agav, we wanted to have a rental. Therefore, the Mishnah says, Veniskablu Sachar, each of the three exchanged monies appropriate to affect the rental. That is to say that Rabbi Yoshua gave rent money to Rabbi Gamliel for his piece of property. Rabbi Kiva gave rent money to Rabbi Gamliel for his piece of property for the Maestro Ani. And then Rabbi Lezman Azariah gave um, some portion, he, he rented some piece of the property on which Rabbi Yeshua had rented from uh, Rabbi Gamliel. And so then all three got their money, effected the Kenyan, and the food transferred to the various owners, allowing everyone to fulfill the obligations of giving their Trumas and Maestros prior to the Bira deadline.